Well, hello and welcome. This is Ron Cohen with uh, Tax Updates. This podcast we do from the firm of Greenstein, Rogoff, Olson and Company in beautiful downtown Fremont, California. Uh, it's important to note today is February 19th. I'll further note that it is 10.06 a.m. Things are changing so fast, day to day, hour to hour, that uh, those two points of time are, are important because things may change dramatically in the next couple of days <laughs> with uh, important tax information. So before we dive into uh, a number of things, let me get through some caveats, which is that, of course, uh, take no reliance in anything you hear on this podcast. This is not formal professional advice that can only be given if you're engaged with our firm, provide all the relevant facts, and uh, we do some uh, research and get back to you with a conclusion. Though this is uh, almost entertainment, but I hope it's, in, hope it's informative. Uh, plagiarism is okay. We're not writing any novels here. In the tax business, we take our, our, our guidance from IRS code and regulations and read articles written by other practitioners in our publications, and they intentionally are putting their best thoughts out there for others to use. So uh, if you, th- there is no plagiarism. The plagiarism is actually a good thing in this business. Uh, this is not a, a creative process for the most part. It's, a, it's, a, it's an endless quest to get to the lowest, best tax and the least amount of hassles with the uh, tax authorities. Uh, third, no politics. We try, there are other podcasts and things all over the internet. You can listen to 24 hours a day. Uh, often I do uh, in the background to political discussions. Here, we're going to focus just on the tax law, although often tax law is the result of political discussions. And uh, we'll, when they're relevant and give some context, we'll mention that. Um, our firm does to about, uh, oh, 1,500 tax returns. We do planning. We uh, do uh, consulting for uh, for people of all sizes. Uh, and uh, in terms of their wealth and net worth, we're happy to uh, discuss with anybody uh, their situations. Give us a call. Uh, then the last bit is uh, we are no cheerleader. Or this podcast is no cheerleader for the tax system. I find it uh, overbearing, intrusive. Uh, an invasion of privacy, but it's the law and we have to comply. We have to comply, do the best we can to deal with the system that uh, exists at this time. But uh, uh, let it be known that while we uh, make our livelihood off of uh, being a part and a critical part of of the tax system, uh, I not for one minute think that it is Faster, better, cheaper, and elegant. It is not. It is the reverse of all those things. It slows the economy. It often makes people do things they shouldn't. And uh, in terms of uh, directing investments, and we are no cheerleader for the tax system, but we respect it and comply with the law. Okay, so with those out of the way, our, our tax, our uh, website is www.groco.com. That's G-R-O-C-O. Dot com. There's endless information about our firm, our partners, other people, our directors in the firm on that website. Feel free to take a look at that. So what are we going to talk about today with that out of those caveats out of the way is, um, well, first and foremost, while I was getting ready for this uh, podcast last night, 
the um, House Ways and Means Committee uh, put out a request to the IRS to extend automatically the due date for tax returns, individual tax returns from the normal long-term deadline of April 15th for many, many years back, I believe, into the 1950s. It's been April 15th and extended again to July 15th. So we'll come back and cover that. But that just happened last night at six o'clock. Uh, so we're reacting to that. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the, the form 1099 NEC. Uh, it's a new form in the California issues. We're going to talk about how the Internal Revenue Service uh, admits it is three million items of mail behind in opening the mail. And that's causing all kinds of problems. The IRS issued an apology for um, uh, 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 sending letters to people saying, where's your tax return? Where? Those tax returns are probably already in their hands, and we'll go into that. Um, individual impact payments, uh, there's, we'll touch on that a little bit. Uh, my wife's a school teacher, so there was uh, a new rule about um, what can be deducted when school teachers go and take their personal funds and buy certain COVID-related uh, items. Uh, there's a bizarre uh, item in the California tax return about charitable contributions. And that impact on tax return preparers, it's been around for a while, but uh, I want to pass on something that was passed on to me. If we have any time left, I'll talk about my poor friend, the barber, and his struggles with PPP loans. Again, I could do three hours on PPP loans, and maybe we'll do some more of that next week. I, I know it's an ongoing pressing issue. The, uh, the uh, politicians, excuse me, have completely messed up what was supposed to be a good thing and turned it into a bad thing, made it hard and difficult instead of easy and straightforward. More on that. And, um, and that should be more than enough for this presentation. Okay. Well, thank you. So here we go. Um, let's go right to the headline again, that just came to my attention about 20 minutes ago. Um, and we'll put these links in the show notes, the, um, the uh, oversight committee, subcommittee, oversight subcommittee, of the House Ways and Means Committee. And if you uh, remember how the federal government is structured, all tax bills begin in the House Ways and Means Committee. There can be proposals flying around all over the place, but formally any tax bill has to first be presented in the House Ways and Means Committee to the full House. Uh, then, then it will go to the Senate if it passes. There's endless negotiation and changes. Uh, and then if all falls together, usually after a long period of time, the bill goes to the president. There's a 30-second review of how a bill is passed, leaving out a lot of things. But so the House Ways and Means Committee is extremely powerful because it uh, has uh, it's where all revenue bills start and taxation bills start. And um, it uh, has oversight uh, on the Internal Revenue Service. So they wrote a letter last night around 6 p.m to the Internal Revenue Service, Charles P. Redding, who is the current commissioner of the IRS. And they said, let's do it again. Last year, we extended the uh, individual original due date. You can get extensions uh, by filing an extension form. Uh, but but they, the original due date, where the vast majority of people filed by the original due date. Now, our clients have harder returns. So the vast majority of our clients don't file by the original due date. They end up going on the on extension, and we get the returns done during the summer. But with all the human suffering and upheaval and lockdowns and everything, last year, as, as uh, you may recall, that it was right around mid-March, about March 13th. I remember it well. 
where uh, Alameda County here, where Fremont is on the south uh, east side of the San Francisco Bay and most of California at that moment, certainly the Bay Area, uh, say, hey, this is this is really, really serious. And the covid um, uh, thing that we've all been going through for now almost a year started. And the Internal Revenue Service quickly said, okay, rather than the original due date being on April 15th, because physically people are being uh, uh, quarantined to their homes, they can't go to H&R Block or Jackson Hewitt or their friendly CPA or their enrolled agent or whoever does their taxes, they can't go meet with them. Uh, uh, there's issues getting mail floating around. Uh, the, the post office is still suffering, even to this day, suffering from uh, delays. Uh, and they they put it right up on their websites because a lot of postmen call in sick and and uh, you know they are having all kinds of problems. So um, um, the uh, House Oversight Committee last night said, you know, this year is kind of like last year. Uh, if you if you look at the statistics in California, the uh, people pe- testing positive, uh, the availability of um, ICU beds at hospitals, uh, the number of deaths, it's actually worse. Uh, I mean, this is mid-February. The, the COVID thing had not really fired up until mid-March, but certainly between the period of March and April, things are, are continue to be, sadly, worse than they were during that period of time. So I myself have talked to my peers here saying, gee, I wonder if they're going to extend the due date. Things are actually worse than they were between March and April last year. It would just make sense. Uh, 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 people have now um, found a way to work with it. And I don't want to downplay the complete suffering of small businesses who uh, have been shut down. They, they, uh, spy, I, local restaurants, I'm one of those guys who goes and orders takeout, probably too much. I put on a few pounds uh, trying to help the, my local restaurants stay alive as they go through. Oh, we're open. We're not open. We're open on the sidewalk, you know, in these covered areas. Oh, we're not open. Oh, we're open again. Uh, so we're trying to do our little part, uh, helping these folks out. So th- there's all these things spinning around. And um, so let me focus and say, well, this is why the House uh, Ways and Means Committee Oversight Subcommittee argued to, is arguing to the IRS in a letter last night saying, um, let's do it again. Let's go to July 15th. And I'll just, it's well written. So I'll just take uh, 30 seconds or so. Last year, this is his writing. Um, this is uh, this is eight members of the House of Representatives who are who serve on the um, oversight committee of the House Ways and Means Committee. Last year, uh, nearly eight weeks into the filing system, the IRS season, the IRS announced that the federal income tax filing due date would automatically be extended by three months to July 15th. As you know, taxpayers, practitioners, and the IRS were experiencing health, and economic challenges due to the pandemic, and the extension of the filing season was a was responsive to those difficulties. The extension deferred the federal income tax payments, right, not just when to file, but when to pay without penalties and interest, providing important and necessary relief to taxpayers and practitioners. Further, it meant that taxpayers did not have to file forms or contact the IRS, who were hiding, basically. I mean, I'm saying that in, a, in not a pejorative way, right? They 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 were told to go home by their unions. Uh, the IRS, they weren't answering the phone. It's still hard to get a hold of the IRS. So excuse me, I'll continue. Uh, further, it meant the taxpayers did not have to file forms or contact the IRS with, re, with uh, respect to needed extensions, thereby lessening the demand on the IRS during a challenging season. So um, um, 
how can you one one year later another unique filing season is underway and many of these same pandemic related difficulties and challenges persist persist for taxpayers practitioners and the IRS for starters health and safety concerns continue to keep taxpayers uh, assistance sites closed and taxpayers homebound as a result taxpayers are having a much harder time receiving critical assistance okay uh, let me skip on further an added challenge this year is can, is the condensed filing season yes and i am feeling this as a cpa as april 15th will come just 2 months after the opening of the filing season so uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this it takes uh, the irs time to uh, get the forms correct to get the computer systems working and they've been putting used used to be I remember, you know, I'm 61 years old. I remember being a young guy. Hey, you know, there were people, they had their tax turn done by January 15th. The IRS forms were all ready, you know, shortly after Jan- after New Year's. And people would scramble who want. A lot of people just want to get it done. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And they'd have those returns done second, third week of January. Well, the IRS has been saying, no, no, you have to wait until our systems are ready to take your returns, to process them. Uh, we have the e-filing systems all up, and and that just happened a few days ago where they opened the filing season. So uh, effectively, uh, the, the uh, taxpayers and tax community have lost about a month of uh, opportunity to uh, finalize returns, and people are now just getting used to it. Oh, I can't file yet. I can't file yet. Can't can't send it in. The e-filing system's not open, so you just have to wait. So uh, we are here. I go and continue. We are troubled that this reduced timeline will exasperate difficulties uh, for many taxpayers who will be unprepared for the amount due with their returns and will have no savings to turn to and less time to consider their options. Importantly as well, the IRS is still processing. This is really important, really. The IRS is still processing millions of returns from last year and has not uh, and has less time to adjust to the training and safety needs of newly hired and recalled employees. Uh, so they go on, and uh, I won't uh, read you all the little bits, but they say, therefore, let's do it again. Uh, you, you got, for those of you not, not familiar with it, the IRS is about 130,000 person organization uh, in, in its operation. It is somewhat what like the armed services, not in that their people are at risk of physical injury <laughs> for the most part, uh, but but it's it's very regimented. It has hundreds of thousands of regulations. I do not, uh, that's not hyperbole. And there's rules and you do this, and you do that, and you enter things this way and you, you know, you flip the papers over that way and you stamp them over here in the left. Hand. I mean, there's all these things in the computer systems uh, and they have uh, many union rules, work rules. So when you have coffee breaks, when you have vacations, I'm not saying that they take too many vacations. I'm just saying there's rules and rules and rules and rules, highly regimented uh, organization to work for, and uh, and it does not react well to uh, uh, problems, you know, big problems, because all those rules assume that things are going pretty well. I mean, the mail that the mail works, that the e-filing systems work, that uh, if you make a phone call, it will get answered, uh, that the letters go out. So, so I certainly agree with him. Uh, one, we have a compacted filing system season, and two. Um, all these, uh, both, both to, uh, for for the benefit of the IRS employees and for all of us out here, um, you know, it, it would be good. It would be a good thing. But that's a political issue, and they'll decide that um, 
uh, as we'll probably hear in the coming days. Uh, under the Trump administration, Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin uh, was saying last year, look, uh, this has happened. We all got extensions. Now we're all used to it. And there won't be any more extensions. Well, there's been a new uh, administration, perhaps a new way of thinking. We'll find out what they're going to do. All right. So uh, following that uh, big piece of news, I want to mention that uh, I read in the Wall Street Journal uh, that the IRS, this is the IRS admitting it, is still three million pieces of mail behind. Uh, They were at one point, I believe, don't hold me to this, almost 10 million pieces of mail behind. And they literally have semi-trailers parked at um, the Ogden, Utah Service Center, Fresno, uh, other places around the country. Uh, filled with mail that haven't been opened because following the work rules, the IRS employees haven't been at work like they're they're like us, working from home, working from the office, our office. Well, I, I don't want to get into particulars of, uh, you know, who's where and what, but uh, so so they're having trouble, right? And so the next thing that happened was uh, the IRS started issuing notices to folks saying, uh, we haven't gotten your 2019 returns. Uh, these are people who either filed late or they were rightly on extension, uh, mailed things in uh, by October last year, or maybe it was thereafter, but uh, depending if they were late. But but the IRS hasn't opened the mail. And the uh, IRS computer noted on the computer file, hey, there's no ro- return logged in for this. Well, you don't know, computer, that the return is sitting in the semi-trailer parked in your parking lot. It's just nobody's opened the envelope. And we have even heard cases, which is really disturbing. We have heard cases, I think we've had a few in this office, uh, where people who electronically filed are getting notices saying they haven't filed. And that's really disturbing because the the e-filing system is pretty slick. After you e-file, you wait about two or three weeks. uh, Everything's logged in properly. Everything should be on file. And they start sending out notices you haven't filed. And now you got to send in another copy. And then you send in the e-filing submission ID number saying, well, of course I filed here. You gave me this receipt. Uh, Please go check your own records. Go have a cup of coffee and leave us alone. Uh, So here's the apology issued yesterday, February 8th. Uh, The link is in our show notes by the Internal Revenue Service, a uh, flat out apology. And I'll read it because it is in some ways very shocking. Earlier this month, this is quote, unquote, quote, Earlier this month, the internal, the IRS issued notices to approximately 260,000, 260,000 taxpayers stating they haven't filed their 2019 federal tax returns. These notices, referred to as CP59 notices, that's an IRS jargon, are issued yearly to identified taxpayers who failed to file a tax return that was due the prior, due, that was due the prior calendar year, a tax, uh, tax year. 2019. What they're trying to say is 2020 is over. By now, you should have filed your 2019 return that was due during 2020. We don't see it in the computer. Here's a letter saying, how come you didn't file or file now or what's up? Continuing on, due to pandemic-related slowdowns, the IRS has not completed processing all 2019 returns at this time. Therefore, the CP59 notices should not have been sent because some portion of the recipients may actually have filed a return that is still being processed. Let me interrupt, say, no, it is not still being processed. 
it's sitting out in a semi-trailer in your parking lot that you haven't emptied. But uh, that's not political. That's a factual statement. People who filed their 2019 returns, but nevertheless filed a CP59 notice, can disregard the letter and do not need to take any action. There is no need to call or respond to the CP59 notice uh, because the IRS continues to process 2019 returns as quickly as possible. Uh, The IRS regrets any confusion caused by this mailing. The IRS encourages those who have not yet filed their return for 2019 to do so promptly. So I have one uh, emotional uh, opinionated comment is, no, don't follow their advice. Don't follow their advice. If you get a notice from any tax authority, you always, always, always respond and always respond quickly to make sure you maintain all your appeal rights. First of all, you should have a receipt, uh, either certified mail, return receipt request. If it's electronic, of course, you have your electronic receipt with your ID submission number. And anytime you get a letter, you write them back and say, no, you have it. Here's my submission number. I can prove I filed it. You know, go look up your own stuff and uh, have a nice day. Because if you don't, and this continues to be a problem, you'll get a second and third notice, and it will continue until finally, after some period of time, they'll either empty the truck (laughs) with the paper returns or their computers will catch up with each other, or your letters will get to a human being at the IRS who uh, will go, well, of course you're right. Shame on us. And, uh, 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 the case is closed and you want a reply letter from the tax authority saying, yes, our notice was in error. The one a letter directed to you, not a general apology to the world, to you saying, you're right, we're wrong. This case is closed. Sorry for the hassle. Have a nice day. You want that because you don't leave things open-ended with any tax authority. Uh, there's too much uh, negligence and in some case, abuse and fraud. I won't get into all that. Uh, you always reply to every notice, even if it's a short little letter. Here's a copy of my receipt. Uh, have a nice day. Uh, I'm not going to send you a whole copy of the return because here's the receipts. You have the return. Go find it. And uh, uh, what I've found is when you do that, uh, your file is complete, which is good. And most of the time, you never hear again from the IRS uh, in, a fact, in a case like this because they will go and find your return. And, uh, but always respond, always respond. That is bad advice that they gave in this apology, but at least they're apologizing. Uh, so let me tell you from a practical standpoint, we have seen the weirdest, weirdest notices come up. We got, got uh, in one case, we got received a notice uh, where the notice says, we have not received uh, this payment by X date. Uh, well, I'm looking, I'm reading this that the client sent to me three weeks before X date. So how can you say you didn't receive a payment by X date when it is currently three weeks before X date? (laughs) I mean, the logic, it just fails complete logic. And then, and they say, if you don't, you know, if, if we don't receive it by X date, but you just told me you didn't receive it by X date. (laughs) And then you look at the top of the notice and say, well, the date on the notice is after the date that you have the notice in your hand, which means they misrepresented the date of the notice. So they're having some complete foobar, messed up internal computer processing things. And this is why, again, you always keep a copy of everything you send to the IRS. You keep receipts of when you sent it. 
And in my experience, eventually, eventually, sometimes it's been six, eight months. Eventually, it all gets worked out. But uh, uh, um, um, and, and and you always respond to uh, just uh, be on record that you're being a good, compliant person. And uh, eventually, the IRS will sort it out or the California Franchise Tax Board. Well, there's uh, we'll put in the show notes. I don't want to talk a lot about it this this. Uh, podcast about economic income impact payments. A number of uh, folks uh, have told me that, you know, they got a debit card in the mail and, and this is the second round. And there are some proposals by the current administration uh, for some more. And those are political issues that they're working on. We'll see what they come up with. Um, For most of our clients, uh, we're above any income limit. So, uh, uh, I'll speak for myself and not my clients. I don't get them. I never qualified. My income is above the uh, the threshold. Um, but for those who do, it's very important. And if you didn't get it, you should have got it. There's IRS uh, resources to go and um, and check with them to make sure you get what you're entitled to. All right, moving on. Teachers. My wife's a teacher, so I love this deduction. I've been claiming it for years because uh, my wife is always going to the Target or the, the uh, the little artsy craft store and buying supplies for school. And so there's been a doc- deduction around for 20, 30 years where uh, teachers can deduct up to $250 uh, for out of pocket. Some teachers spend thousands and it's really a shame. They can't deduct all of it, uh, especially in when the teachers are uh, working with uh, low income areas, uh, urban areas. They're just, they're out of the goodness of their heart. They're trying to help some teachers buy food for their students. It's, uh, uh, and all that stuff should be immediately deductible, but that's not what the law says. There's a limit of $250. So uh, the IRS clarified that um, uh, if, you, if the teacher goes and buys face masks and disinfectant, hand soap, sanitizers, disposable gloves, uh, tape, paint, chalk uh, to guide social distancing, physical barriers, for, like, for example, clear plexiglass, air purifiers, and other items recommended by the Center for Disease Control, that all falls within uh, allowable deductions, but there's a limit on it, a small limit. If this affects you, go check that that rule. And uh, uh, now, uh, as we all know, many of the public schools are closed, so you wouldn't see a lot of that. Although um, I speak about my wife again, you know, our, our kitchen table is all outfitted as a as a as a little classroom and uh, she's gone and spent some money to do that and some special lighting so that her zoom calls look good and and uh, so um, uh, there's there's some wiggle room on all that perfectly legal and and uh, but my my bigger point here is that there are many parochial charter and other private schools that are wide open they're open and uh, as the teachers are going out of pocket to pay for certain expenses, um, that those certainly qualify and take that deduction. It's allowable. Okay. I want to make a quick, uh, comment about something that's been in the California form 540 for years, because I got a new perspective on it on some training class, you know, CPAs, we have to take a good deal of training all the time. So we're learning new things and we're relearning old things and getting different perspectives. So, uh, in the form 540, you get done with the tax turn. And then on the Form 540, uh, you might have noticed they list about 10 or 15, maybe 20. It's a lot of charities. And they say, uh, uh, you can decide right here to make charitable contribution. 
And uh, uh, if you get a refund, you can reduce your refund. If you owe tax, you can increase the amount of owe you owe and make a um, make a charitable contribution right through your tax return. Uh, uh, the money goes to the franchise tax board, and uh, if everything works right, uh, there are cases. Uh, I won't get into it having to do with license plates where people made charitable contributions, and our former governor uh, Brown did uh, took the money and did not give it to the charities that people thought they were giving to. Again, that's a factual matter; it's in the public record. Uh, but assuming none of that is the case and you want to give it to the conservation, whatever society, a clear public charity, uh, uh, um, you can do it right through your personal tax return. And many do. And it's, you know, that's great. Uh, my, my perspective on this was that uh, uh, the instructor of a training class I took uh, informed us that when the legislature, California legislature passed that rule, the discussion was specifically that us income tax return preparers, CPAs, enrolled agents, lawyers, who's that, H&R Block, whoever's doing it, right, are supposed to go, oh, you have a California refund. Um, dear taxpayer, would you like to make a charitable contribution? Here's the list, uh, 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 which I, I find a bit intrusive, but the instructor said that was clearly their intent that uh, the preparer finds himself in the middle of the client's money and uh, uh, and a potential charitable contribution. And we're supposed to be one of my favorite words, cheerleading a bit for the charity. And 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 I don't do that. I will not do that. I will not do that. If you have a refund, uh, it's all right there in our tax organizer and on the forms itself. You can certainly, we certainly tell you, hey, here's the list. Would you like to give some to charity? And we do that. Uh, give a vast notice. If the client doesn't bring it up, I'm not bringing it up in the process of finishing the return saying that because it's not a requirement to do that, but I, I was informed it was the intent that we would be saying, well, why don't I, I don't want to get into an intent issue with my client. Gee, you should be a little more charitable. Why don't you give that? I'm not having that discussion. It's none of my business. And I just found it another case of uh, intrusion uh, that, that the tax return preparers, regardless of your political views, uh, would even be that the, 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 the legislature would even speculate or imply or give any reference to the fact that preparers should be encouraging anything. We, we let them know the options there in writing, in our tax organizer. If they don't say anything, I'm certainly not bringing it up uh, just before we finish the returns and, uh, and send them in for e-filing, get you your refund. Uh, but we're happy to do it. You say, I'd like to put half of my refund into the conservation club for whatever that's on the list. No, no problem for me. It takes two seconds to make that adjustment. And we would do it. Anyway, I, that's uh, inside baseball kind of, oh, that's interesting. Uh, there's a lot going on with PPP loans and forgiveness. Uh, we will pick that up in the next podcast. That uh, It's an ongoing problem in that um, uh, 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 this was supposed to be something good and simple. And now it's turned into something uh, uh, not so good and difficult. I, I do want to make a point that there's a controversy going on with the state of California, as uh, we mentioned long ago in some of the earlier podcasts, that um, uh, uh, f first, the uh, if you get a PPP loan that's going to be forgiven, and you spend the money, and you spend the money on things that would normally be deductible, and then the Treasury Department, this was last year, came back and said, "Well, no, of course they're not deductible because you got you got the money for free. You're not paying tax on the on the loan amount." 
uh, that's going to be forgiven, which is normal tax laws. If you get forgiven a loan, it's income. In this case, it is not. Okay, so you got the money for free. Then you spend the money on uh, rent or payroll or other deductible items. You can't get a deduction for it because long-term tax policy says that's a double benefit. You're using tax-free money to pay a deductible expense. In essence, the federal government is getting its tax revenue reduced twice. And that is consistent with my understanding. And uh, the Treasury Department pointed it out. And when it pointed it out, many members of the House and Senate immediately objected and said, no, 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 no. That's exactly what we wanted to happen, that the people get the money for free, tax-free, and um, um, and anything they spend it on uh, that's appropriate is also deductible, which, and I'm not making any judgment about it. I'm just saying there was a miscommunication. The bill was scored for its impact on the Treasury based on the fact that those items would not be deductible. So making them deductible is a two or $300 billion reduction. Not that it shouldn't be, right? I mean, pe- the people are suffering. We should do whatever we can to help them. I'm not uh, getting judgmental about that. I'm just saying there was a complete miscommunication. So House uh, congressmen and senators wrote letters. And then in the uh, more recent, uh, one of the COVID bills, bills, they clarified that on the federal basis, on the federal basis, IRS. They said, not only is the forgivable PPP loans forgivable and not income, but if you spend it on payroll, rent, salary, everything you would normally spend it on, they're also deductible, right? So yes, we are giving you a double tax benefit. That's what we meant. The prior law was incorrect. And that was clarified. Well, California uh, took their sweet time. Normally, there's a rule called conformity. And uh, with conformity, uh, California says, whatever the Fed's doing, we're doing. Uh, Because otherwise, it gets too complex for the tax pair and taxpayer to go, well, that's the federal rule and that's the state rule. Well, why don't they just be the same, right? Uh, But California took their time and just a few days ago, in fact, this is dated yesterday. I will read the, the controversy was California was saying, no, those items are not deductible that are paid for with PPP forgivable loans. So now we're going to have a difference. We're going to have the federal uh, rule allowing the deduction, the state rule not allowing. Of course, the legislature and all the business people and lobbyists, they're all calling the governor and the state legislature saying, come on, come on, people are suffering. Come on, just conform to the federal rule. So uh, Gavin Newsom, I'm reading this, Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, Senate President Pro Tem Tony G. Akins, and Assembly Speaker Anthony Redden, Rendon, excuse me, announced that they have reached an agreement on a package of immediate actions that will speed needed relief of to individuals, families, businesses suffering the most from significant economic hardships from the COVID-19 recession. Mm -hmm. Good. Including in the agreement is partial conformity to the federal tax treatment for loans provided through the Paycheck Protection Program, allowing companies that deduct up to $150,000 in expenses covered by the PPP loan. All businesses that took out loans of $150,000 or less would be able to maximize their deductions for state purposes. Firms that took out higher loans would still be subject to the same ceiling of $150,000 in deductibility. Okay, well, uh, I'll, I could make five political statements about why that's not good, <laughs> uh, because uh, we're now we're cherry-picking winners and losers. 
But but okay, uh, for the vast majority of companies, uh, the 150,000 will take care of them. So there's conformity. The items will be deductible for the the ones above that. Uh, I leave to you to come up with your own political theories of why uh, that is fair or unfair. But that's the news. Okay, so uh, I'm at 39 minutes, and I think we've covered a lot of good ground. And I hope you found this enjoyable. Again, I'm Ron Cohen. I'm a tax partner at Greenstein, Rogoff, Olson and Company. Our phone number is 510-797-8661. I'm at extension 237. Uh, we have a great website at www.groco.com. We're happy to help. Uh, call anytime and thank you for listening. Bye-bye now.